The Word of God for this morning is, is based, like I said, on the second lesson from Galatians chapter 5, so I invite you there to, to open up your bulletins or you can, you can pull out your Bible even better. We'll even be looking at some of the context of these verses in, in just a moment. I'd like to begin with you this morning with uh, just a, a very brief prayer. Lord God, bring death to the part of us that needs to die. Bring their new life. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. For, for a very long time, I think it's been years, I've, I've actually wanted to, to work through this sermon series with you. We're calling it the, appropriately the, the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe, maybe even mostly, it's, it's for selfish reasons. Because I want more fruit in my life. <laughs> and less acts of the sinful nature. But let me be more concrete. Here is what I would love to have happened in my life. Here is what I really want in my personal life. I would like to be able to go to, on a road trip. And when I'm on that road trip, and when one of my daughters begins to cry for hours on end, I would like to have a protective shield around my inner life that is so strong that I react to that situation in which my daughter continues to cry and I can no longer listen to my favorite audiobook, that I would have the peace of Jesus and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit in my interactions with my family. That is my personal dream for my life of sanctification. And I am so far from that. Let me tell you about the last road trip that I took with my family. My daughter, Brooke, begins to cry for literally hours on end. And 20 minutes into that, I told my wife, you need to pull over right now. You need to take care of the kids, quote, because I can't do it anymore. So that's my personal goal for this sermon series. More fruit of the Spirit, less acts of the sinful nature. And if you are anything like me, if you have the same flesh that I do, maybe that can be your goal too. More fruit of the Spirit and less acts of the sinful nature. The Apostle Paul, too, as he, as he wrote these words to the Galatians, he had a goal in mind. His goal was less personal. It wasn't personal, not like my goal. We've seen him be very personal, at least in the recent weeks, haven't we? We've heard him say from Philippians, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We've seen him speak from the heart, but, but here this morning he's not very personal, is he? He's really got more of a corporate goal. So his goal for the, for the Galatians to meditate on the fruit of the Spirit is less personal, and we could say it's more ecclesiastical. And so he, he bookends our verses 
with two very important statements. He, he says to the Galatians, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you'll be dis- you, will, you will be destroyed by each other. That's how he begins the verses. He ends the verses with his comments on the fruits of the Spirit in a very similar way. He, and these are in our verses for today. He writes, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, so the Apostle Paul wants to see less biting and devouring in this church, and he wants to see more caring, more loving, more fruit of the Spirit. That is his goal. So we should add a second goal, shouldn't we? We should add a second goal, not just a personal goal of more fruit, less acts of the sinful nature. We also want to be a church, right, that is Spirit-led and filled with spiritual fruit. And that's what we are right now. Don't, don't get me wrong, I don't think that you're biting and devouring each other. The opposite is actually true from what I can tell. You pray for each other. You visit each other in the hospital. You even get each other jobs. This is what I hear. Not even from my prompting. You love each other and it's a beautiful thing. But I pray that it never turns into biting and devouring because there is nothing that will kill a Christian church faster than friendly fire. Over vacation recently, I had the opportunity to watch an HBO miniseries. It's not one of those bad ones. It's one called The Pacific. It's very good. It's about a group of soldiers in World War II. American soldiers, and they go, obviously, to the Pacific to fight the enemy. And there's lots of things that really impacted me. There's lots of lessons that I drew from watching that HBO miniseries. But maybe the top one was this, Friendly Fire kills. It wasn't just once, it wasn't just twice, it was more than three times that an American soldier would get out of his foxhole in the middle of the night and he'd go to use the bathroom and then he'd come back and his own comrades would shoot him dead. Then they'd wake up in the morning and find him dead. They'd cry because they were more than brothers in war. And someone in their leadership would say, you have got to remember to give the code word when you come back from using the bathroom because friendly fire kills. And the Apostle Paul understood that. He knew it, and so he wrote to the Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit. Keeping those goals in mind, we have a personal goal now and we have an ecclesiastical goal. And listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to a group of people, a Galatian congregation that were biting and devouring each other. Here's what he says. We're going to read our verses now. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, and fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You can see in these verses that that the Apostle Paul has neatly divided this section into really three thought areas. And the NIV will set them apart with, with paragraphs, I think, in a, in a helpful way. In that first section, he helps us to understand where the war is. It's not out there. It's not out there in culture. It's not over there where ISIS is. He says, the most epic battle that is happening in your life, dear Galatians, is right inside your heart. And there's two warring parties. There's the Spirit of Jesus. And there's your sinful nature. Who do you think is going to win? Will the Spirit win? Or will the sinful nature win? I wonder. I'm being sarcastic. The Apostle Paul is actually very hopeful here, isn't he? Listen to what he says. He gives to us a promise. Even before the battle begins, right inside of us, he said, live by the Spirit and you will not, not ever, not ever will you gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's a promise. Then he begins and he dives into the second paragraph there. And keeping that paragraph in mind, that promise, he outlines specifically and very concretely what the acts of a sinful nature look like. And so we don't have to guess, do we? We don't have to wonder, what does sin look like? We don't even have to make it up. In biblical times, these kind of lists were actually quite popular. We call them viceless. Now this is a little bit of an aside, but I wonder, I wonder what a vice list would look like today. What is sin according to the world? We're not going to get into that today. That's something maybe for you just to think about. But we're going to look at this spirit-inspired vice list. And he tells us what sin really does look like in your life. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
So, so many people divide this vice list into four categories, and, and the NIV does that too. They helpfully put in there those little semicolons. So there's four of those. Here are the four categories. There are sexual sins. There are sins that depose God. There are sins against neighbor. And finally, the fourth category is sins of disorderly living. So the Apostle Paul is asking you to take an evaluation of your life, of the Galatian life. And he's saying, evaluate your life according to these acts. Are you committing sins that are sexual in nature? Are you committing sins that depose God and make some, someone or something else number one in your life? Are, are you committing sins against neighbor with rage and envy and jealousy? And finally, he says, is your life orderly or disorderly? Are you using drugs? Are you drinking? Because if you find that you are committing the acts of the sinful nature, he has a stern warning for you, doesn't he? He says those who live like this, who continue day after day to live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no salvation for you, he says. Then like black on white, then like a vice list against a list of spiritual fruit, the Apostle Paul continues and he lists nine fruits. And we're not going to categorize this, these because I don't think you can. He, but before we, leave, we read this list, we're going to again remember that this list is not exhaustive. He also doesn't lead us to guess about what spirit-led living looks like. And he also reminds us with the very metaphor of fruit, that fruit is something that is healthy, something that is sweet to others, but the acts of sinful nature are really just behaviors that are selfish in nature. And finally, we need to remember the source of these fruits. They are not the fruits of the Christian, are they? They're not the fruit of the world. Instead, they are the fruit of the Spirit. That is their source. And so I'm going to re remind you of, of what they are again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So now we've seen the context of these verses. We've, we've set the stage and we've even looked at in some detail at each of the, the three thought sections of these verses. And as the summer goes on, we're going to get into these verses even more. We're going to have a literal fruit salad of spiritual fruits as, as we go on. But, but, but before we close this sermon for today, we need to understand the roadmap. Where do these fruits come from and how do they become more mature in our lives? It's really two steps that are very simple. And the Apostle Paul outlines them 
for us. Here's, here's the first step. Here's what he says. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Here's step number one. We must die. That's step number one. We must die. There's no easier way to say it. You cannot reform the sinful nature. You cannot replant it. You cannot put it in jail and hope to rehabilitate it. It must die. You must crucify it. The Apostle Paul says, Martin Luther, he would say, drown it. So that's step one, and this must happen every day. Every single day, we must die. Monday morning, we crucify the sinful nature. Tuesday morning, we strangle it. Wednesday morning, we drown it. That is how this works. Here's step number two. Then we rise again with Jesus. Long ago, Jesus came and he died for all your sin and he took it away, nailing it to a cross. He died for sin so that you would die to sin. And so we are not alone in this battle, this epic battle that rages inside of us. Instead, he sends to us his spirit. And so Jesus and his work is the very center of this new spirit-filled life. His spirit lives inside of you. That is one incomprehensible truth, and that is spiritual power. It's not just physical power like the cereal that's sitting in your stomach this morning, maybe from breakfast. No, this is spiritual power, the same power that created the world lives in you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you by virtue of your baptism. You are spirit-fed, led, and spirit Filled, and it is He who works in you. And He does not work in your life in some strange, mystical way. It's not as if, as Luther used to like to say, that we can swallow the Holy Spirit, feather and bones and all. The Spirit works to you through ordinary, ordinary means through God's Word, through baptism, and through the Lord's Supper. And so our spiritual life is Spirit-led when we use His Word and we use His sacraments. Live by that Spirit and you will find new life. Maybe you can tell I have I have great hopes for this new sermon series. I've been reading late, lately in, in, a, in a 
dogmatics book by Peeper, and he says, a pastor should encourage his congregation in terms of abundance of spiritual fruit and also quantity. And so I'm going to do that. I have really high hopes for both for my personal life and for my church, but not because this is something that we can achieve. Not because this is something that comes from inside of us, because we've seen what comes from inside of us. I have really high hopes for this sermon series because of what God can achieve. And because what the Spirit is doing through His Word and through His sacraments. God will bring death to your life. To the parts of your life that need to die. And there He will also Bring new life. Live by that Spirit. Amen.